It is so good to be back in the thick of things. Welcome to, for fuck's sake, the Melbourne Victory Podcast made by fans for fans. My name is Jason. For the first time in about a month and a bit, month, uh, about five weeks or so, it's uh, yeah, been a long month, but I am here now uh, back taking over the reins uh, on FES. Thank you for your uh, I guess patience while we kind of work out the kinks of the last week or so. Um, Dave and Buds were uh, were steering the ship. Uh, had some issues last week getting getting everyone together to try and actually get to a podcast. But um, yeah, here we are now. Uh, back, yeah, after five weeks, twins, paternity leave is all over. Back to reality. Um, we've got two people here with me today. So Dave, the chief analyst of FES. As I said, Dave, you were the man who was riding the ship over the last uh, few weeks or so. I think I've missed three episodes, maybe three episodes or so. Um, Dave, welcome. How are you? Thanks oh. for uh, thanks for all that you do. Thank you. I'm so happy that you're back. Uh, it was uh, a challenge trying to uh, yep. navigate through the uh, through the waters in the uh, HMAS VUC, um, but. Um, yeah, look, uh, it's just good to have you back here, the steadying, calm influence like Max Crokeman has been the last few weeks on, of this podcast. So, yeah, good to have you back. Yes, indeed. Uh, Bud's the chief analyst of, uh, not chief analyst, he's the man of the people. I'm still a bit rusty on this one. Um, Bud's, he's away. He's uh, up at the Gold Coast with his wife and daughter uh, having having a blast. I think... Um, if uh, if you're thinking about going up to Queensland right now, the man that people says now is the time to do it because he's um, he's enjoying uh, life uh, at uh, resorts, at empty resorts, basically, yeah, living his best life um, with with no one around. So he went to Dreamworld, he's been to the beach, um, says there's no one there. So if you're uh, if you're thinking about taking the family out for a trip, I'd uh, recommend the Gold Coast. But uh, in his place is uh, FNR's own former host of FVS as well, when I was uh, over in America, Josh Parrish, uh, coming to us live from the FNR studios as well. Hello, Josh. Greetings, gentlemen. I'd say I was a caretaker host. I don't know if I was ever uh, permanently in the role. But can I just say how impressed I am with how far the technological setup has come since uh, the first time I appeared at the Brunswick Sharehouse studios? Yeah, when you had to when yeah, you helped me move the couch, um, having never met me before, it, uh, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> right. I was moving to America that. at the time. Yeah, I was moving to America at the time, and I was like, uh, "Yeah, I need some help moving this couch out because the uh, the house was pretty much empty. It was the last act of the Brunswick Share House was uh, was one final podcast recording, and then we had to move the couch out. Um, but good to have you on. Uh, we're also bringing you on now. You're you're, you're something of an uh, of an of a paid employee now of FES. Um, you're taking over the reins as as podcast producer from from this episode onwards so um we thank you very very much for doing that helping out um myself who uh who usually does the the podcast editing and things like that um but i think overall we probably have to thank our patreon supporters and i, I bang yep. on about it every single week but um really the, the patreon supporters keep this podcast going each and every week um and yeah, it's it's yeah basically the reason why this podcast is going on because um, in the last month or so there's been a bit of soul searching because I've got twins in addition to a two year old and uh, this time last week I was thinking there's no way I'm going to be able to do this all um, record a podcast edit a podcast and then uh, look after three kids so um, yeah the Patreon supporters uh, thank you for your contributions you've actually ended up paying for uh, for Josh to uh, to take time out of his busy schedule as well to um, to edit the podcast each and every week and get it out uh, in a timely manner so that uh, I'm not having to spend hours on end so um, thank you very much to our Patreon supporters and just on that point uh, we've still got a competition running which is for a PS5 we're giving away a PS5 to uh, one of our new or existing Patreon supporters um, the drawing is going to be at the end of the month so basically 
All you need to do if you are a Patreon supporter or you want to be a Patreon supporter and you want to get in on this contest, go on to patreon.com slash for fuck's sake. Uh, join as a Patreon, whether it be $1 an episode or $15 an episode. We do have a couple of people who have jumped on for $15 an episode, which gets you rights to be a guest host on a podcast uh, of your choosing. So one of the, the $15 podcasts, or sorry, Patreon supporters got in touch with us last week. He's uh, he's keen to jump on in the next few weeks or so. So we'll have a guest host from our Patreon supporters. Um, but yeah, jump on there. Uh, you can, as I said, subscribe for as little as $1 a podcast to show your support and keep FES running and allow us to pump money back into the podcast. We're going to be drawing this at the end of uh, the month to win a PS5. Now, I've been away for the last month or so. Dave, you didn't really give it too much of a drum up last week. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to open it for one more week. So I originally was going to say um, they had to join by the 31st of um, January, but then I had twins. The A-League was... the Melbourne Victories games were postponed uh, for a few weeks, which meant we didn't have much of a chance over the month of January to really uh, drum it up. So I'm going to give it one more week. I'll give it until today's the first. I'll give it until Sunday the 7th. So if you still haven't jumped on, you're thinking about doing it and want to get involved in this competition, you can do it by the 7th of February. And uh, we'll draw it at the end of February. Um, just on that as well, um, if anyone knows where to get a PS5, um, please let me know. Uh, because it is really difficult to order one uh, or even get on a wait list to order one. So if anyone has any hookups so we can buy one, uh, we pay cash. So uh, let us know and uh, we'll get that. Cash money fucking. Back order. I, yeah. I think uh, if you sign up to the FVS Patreon, they're giving one away. You might be able to get your hands on that one. That one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm on the um, wait so list yeah. uh, for JB and all of that, EB Games and uh, a GameStop as well, Jace. GameStop, exactly. We're going to be talking a little bit about stocks stocks in a second. We're going to be talking stock in a second. Uh, But just (laughs) a shout out to the people who have jumped on board um, since the last podcast record, which I think was on Thursday with uh, with Dave and and Ned. Um, Special thanks to Ned, by the way, who jumped on at the uh, the very last minute to uh, to help Dave complete (laughs) that podcast. An hour before, an hour before, I was like, you you were were about to do a solo podcast. I know that would have been shit. I reckon, I reckon it would have been interesting. Even no, even the pros can't do a solo podcast. Could you do a solo podcast, Josh, if you had to? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know if I've ever tried. It'd be a bit of a, a State of the Union address from the chief analyst. I think we should make that. <laughs> a, we should make that a Patreon reward tier. That if uh, somebody gets on, if you you hit your target, then uh, the uh, chief analyst has to do a solo address to the people. Yeah, a bit like Jerry Springer at the end of each episode. Jerry's Precious final on. thought. Um, Dave, Dave going on a 10-minute rant about uh, the cost of dim sims at Amy Park or something like that, whatever. <laughs> whatever for you, Dave. But, uh, <laughs> but there, uh, yeah, so some people that have jumped on board since last Thursday. Just quickly, Dave, I'll just go through these people because the, the list is oh, long. Yeah, yeah. Um, Robert Favada, Carly Mann, James Stevens, John Cruz, Nick Brown, Stephen Chilton, Stephanie Apokas, uh, Nathan Curcio have all jumped on board in the last four or five days so thank you guys so much for coming on board and supporting FES it's been actually uh, even though we haven't promoted or um, yeah, uh, given too much um, airtime to it over the last month we've had a, a a resounding response. So heaps of people have jumped on board. Um, we're up above, I think, getting close to about 130 Patreon supporters, which is huge. So um, thank you for everyone who have uh, jumped on board. And uh, as I said, you are quite literally keeping FES alive because there was no chance I was going to be able to edit all that stuff. Um, so yeah, let's get into the episode though in just a moment. Josh, you, you, you can say something. Well, I just want to extend a personal thank you to those people on Patreon. It's been a long ambition of mine to get on the fuck's sake gravy train and it's only taken <laughs> well, several months on air at FNR, a lot of swear words edited out of podcasts and one couch yeah. moved down two flights of stairs. So I'm there. <laughs> you, you, yeah, it's, finally, uh, finally it's long, made it. It's a, it's a long vetting process here at FES, um, but you, you've made the grade, so congratulations. It was a bit of a Tony uh, Popovich-esque uh, recruitment drive, I've got to say. A bit of, maybe some shouts of nepotism from the rafters, but um, I'm mm-hmm. glad to be on board. 
Absolutely. So it is a uh, big show. It has been only about four or five days since our last podcast, which uh, which Dave and Ned uh, navigated through. But there is still lots to talk about. Uh, we'll obviously discuss the Western United game in detail. Uh, we'll also discuss. I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of a, a stock kind of uh, segment here because you know GameStop is all the rage at the moment. Uh, Dave, as you know, FES are in the cryptocurrency. Um, industry as well uh we've got some crypto as thank still you still don't understand what it is but actually no i'll go shout, quick shout out because he, he wanted to shout out um what was a he uh he gave us some cryptocurrency instead of uh, supporters on patreon so are they london football day, exchange tokens or? no it's it's legit what's what's <laughs> it's called is it urethrum urethrum urethra uh, <laughs> ethereum Shit, even ethereum. i know that <laughs> ethereum, I know <laughs> ETH is the code eth is the code but um yeah, I watch that every day. The ATH hasn't gone up as much as the GameStop or um, or the Doge Dogecoin, um, but still, we uh, we wait, we wait. Um, so confusing. But yeah, we're going to go through in just a moment. I'm going to. I haven't been on the podcast since um, since before the first game, so I'm going to kind of. Uh, Look at the first few weeks as a bit of a stock market and, and which players am I buying stocks in, which players am I selling my stocks in, um, and which players am I holding in just a moment as well. Uh, we'll discuss the next game, which is the, uh, I guess, the postponed game uh, that was due to be played about a month ago against Brisbane. Uh, we'll be up at Dolphin Stadium again on Saturday. We'll be discussing that. Dave, you've got some, uh, you've got one of your rants lined up, uh, this time directed at Amy Park and the over-policing, um, just for a bit of a change at Amy Park, some over-policing. So you've got uh, a nice little rant uh, lined up for that, which I, I, I look forward to. And uh, we, I guess we've got nothing else on the, uh, the rundown. We might just shoot the shit for a little bit as well. Uh, music theme... Um, I didn't speak to any patrons today. It was, was my first day back in a physical office. Hey, and you completely ignored what songs that I put up last week in, in our chat. I put up four songs. Oh, yeah. You, and you, you try completely ignored a podcast at 10 a.m. Well, Josh can do two, it now. Three babies. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Josh can do it now. Um, yeah, Josh, uh, I. Oh, I'll send you the songs, Josh. FES. I'm the musical director of FES. So, um, I, I think I think that the that. people out there are very unhappy with your choices, though, Jace. But given that you're back this week, I'll let you have it this week. Well, you know what? We'll throw it to Josh because he's the he's the the editor now. He's the producer. Um, usually, we will get the the Patreon supporters to choose the music theme, but I didn't get around to it this week because this today because I was in the office and I was a bit um, overwhelmed by being back in the office and uh, doing all that. So, um, Josh, you can choose the music theme this week. But you have to pay um, us so back you, some, some money. When you put the podcast together, you can choose what songs you want. Actually, do you have it off the top of your head? Quick, quick theme. Oh, I wasn't prepared for this. Something oh, with a no. tube. I was going to put like, a preemptive. Like surprise. I was going to Something put a preemptive a... disclaimer for people not to complain about the music theme to me because Jace chooses it. But now it's all on me, so I'll have to do some hard, long thinking before this one goes out. Okay. <laughs> You've got, you got a little bit of time to, to, to think about it. Yeah, just be tuba. I reckon, a, I reckon, you know what, I should, you know, actually, I've got one now. So, I've noticed that the musical selections of Western United leave much to be desired. Oh, uh, and I, I absolutely know who is responsible. So, in honour, in tribute to the uh, tacky Western United musical selection, I think this week's music theme has got to be Steve Horvat, Dad Rock. Okay. I'm into that. Like maybe a, Yacht Rock, maybe, or something like that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yacht, yacht Rock, yep. Okay. Bit of Crosby, yeah, Stills and Nash. And... Yeah, all right. Let's, uh, let's get into a big episode of FES. Are you reeling in the years? 
very friendly reminder about the FPS message boards over at fucksake.com. You can get on there and chat all things Victory with like-minded Victory fans. At the moment, some current things uh, that are on the agenda on the FPS message boards is uh, Marco Rojas. Uh, we're going to be discussing him in just a moment. Dylan Ryan. Um, I want to have a little bit of a chat about him in, in, in a few moments as well. Robbie Cruz, who, of course, uh, missed the game against Western United due to rest. He's um he's not been too bad. Not been too bad. I've probably been uh, a little bit... Uh, I guess uh, surprised that um, that he's come back and he's had an impact, but obviously um, not not gr- no, not a huge impact. But I think yeah, surprising to me anyway. Uh, Max Krogram, he's uh, yeah the number one goalkeeper, and Ryan Shotten, who people have been pretty pleased with over the last uh, week or so. So get on there and chat all things victory with like-minded victory fans over at fucksake.com. So usually we do the review review at the moment or review at this point of the podcast, but uh, I haven't been here for, for three or four weeks or three, four, five weeks. I haven't reviewed a game. I haven't talked about my impressions of uh, the team so far, player performances and stuff like that. So before we get into the match review, I want to do an overall kind of summation of uh, of our players and performances and things like that over the first uh, four matches of the season. And uh, in tribute of uh, the Wall Street fiasco that's going on right now, um, Dave, can can you give a, a quick summary of uh, of what that's all about? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> there was a, a Josh, share market, Josh share market in competition terms. in my school, yeah. and uh, I think I. F- failed or, or you know came last in the entire school so no go josh in, unless it's explained to me my margot robbie in a bath i'm not listening so. yes yes yep. yes that's true <laughs> um so yeah i don't understand it but no, stocks are in, stocks mate. are in the news right now stocks are in the some, news some I, I'm greedy a, hedge I'm a, fund types bet it on a stock to go yeah. down and some upstart redditors noticed it and made them pay that's really much mm-hmm. all you need to know the technical yep. details are not interesting all I heard was Margot Robbie. Yeah, let's flip this around into VUC terms. So let's talk about the first four, four weeks of the season. I want to talk about um, who are you buying stock in, um, whether it be at a low price or a high price. Who are you selling stock at? Who have you lost money on um, that you may have had uh, shares in previously? And uh, who are you holding on to just for the moment? Uh, the first one, the first cab off the rank for me is I'm, uh, I'm going to sell my Marco Rojas stock. Now, this is something that I just had a bit of an inkling on over the first few weeks of the season, watching him play, and I just uh, watched him on Saturday night, and the impact wasn't there at all. And uh, I got in contact with, uh, over the weekend, uh, Shabab Hussain, uh, who is a very uh, notable man on Twitter as being uh, the stats and analytics guy uh, for, for A-League, if you want to know about uh, stats and uh, and things like that and analytics. So he's the man to to follow on uh on Twitter, Shabab Hussain 13. I just sent him a message. I just want to see, you know, it, apart from the, the obvious, which is Marco Rojas at the moment after uh, playing four games, 311 minutes, has zero goals and zero assists. I just want to know exactly where he was lacking so far in production. And um, he sent back uh, a thing that we've retweeted. And I'll just compare these numbers uh, so far through the first four games of this season compared to uh, last season. So uh, successful dribbles, he's actually better um, this year than he was last year. So um, 2.32 um, successful dribbles. Um, I'm not too sure if that's per 90 minutes. That doesn't sound right compared to 1.97. Um, might have to try and... Just clarify that with Shabab. Uh, dribbles success rate, so 34% um, this year compared to 41% last year. So to me, it seems like maybe some of those dribbles uh, or those attempted attacks are actually falling flat a little bit more often so far this year. The shots is where, um, yeah, he's really lacking so far this year. So 0.58 shots per game on average compared to 2.2 shots Um last year so he's he's basically not shooting the ball he's not even getting in a position to shoot the ball um crosses attempted 0.87 compared to 1.62 so the wing play um not even uh effective this year either accurate passes in the box um which is interesting so he's actually increased his accurate passes into the box uh, averaging 1.45 this season um compared to uh 0.7 
last year. So that's a, it's a fairly small difference. I mean, really only one pass, but um, yeah, he's, uh, he's improved on that, uh, that rate. The, uh, the pass accuracy is improved, um, but it just seems like, yeah, he's just, his output is just not as, as good as it once was. Dave, over the first four weeks, what's your impressions of Marco Rojas? A lot of people in the forums are saying he's just become too predictable, cutting in, um, not really playing wide, which the, the stats suggest there, um, and not shooting the ball. So what's your impressions of Marco Rojas over the course of the first, first four games? And are you selling or are you holding or are you buying more stock in Marco Rojas? I'm holding. Um, I, to begin with, he's not fit. Um, he came off against Brisbane and, you know, probably was pushed too hard in that game anyway. Uh, he hasn't had, in addition to his fitness, hasn't had, I guess, the kind of leadership in, in terms of you know, the, the people around him. Uh, you know, in game one, there was obviously McManaman, but um, I think he's shouldering a lot of the load in that front third. Um, and as much as uh, Shabab has put some awesome stats here together, but we don't have enough data you know we've got four games and he has he wasn't he didn't play the full four games um so you know he's he came off i think it was in the 60th minute against western united for cam sober it was roughly around the hour mark so there's really just not enough data to make any discernible um decisions it's a hold for me and i think once uh you know we keep saying this a lot (laughs) lately on this podcast once everyone is back in the squad um you know we'll start to bear fruit a little more but yeah that's that's my take josh is uh is it an overreaction to start to be worried about marco rojas's output or is uh is dave on the money with that uh i would have agreed with dave until i heard grant bremer in the press conference say i think marco would agree with me that he can do better he had glimpses today but the player i know can do more and the way he said it made me think that he thinks Marco Rojas has an attitude problem. And Mm. I was really surprised Mm. by that. Just the way he said it, the inflection, the way he was looking around the room, it just felt to me that he was trying to make a point to Marco directly by saying that in the press conference. And Grant Brebner doesn't usually give much away in presses. So that was the, the moment that I thought, hang on, is all not right between player and coach here? Previously, I would have thought all it is is just a physical issue. He just doesn't seem to have the fitness to make it through 90 minutes. He starts brightly, he dips, and also with the injuries to to the rest of the squad, it's too focused to go all through him. So like the people on the forums are saying, it's getting predictable as a function of the team. But just that comment from Bremner I thought was a little bit telling, and I do wonder, you know, Given the uh, volatile market that a, a Marco Rojas stock operates in, whether now is to be the time to to buy? It's an interesting one because I don't, I don't think we're all that bad, you know, in terms of where we're in we're in matches, we're competitive in matches, and it's um, it's a kind of like performance where uh, you know a, a Marco Rojas on form could could literally turn matches for us in, in the opposite direction as, uh, as they've been going only one win from the, the first four games. So he's, he's very, very vital to our team. And uh, if, if he was informed, then the, the performances or the results may have been a bit better than, uh, than the way they've, uh, I guess, eked out so far. Dave, can you hit me with one that you're, uh, well, I guess just hit me with a player who, who are you buying? Who is selling just uh, someone that's, that's, uh, that's stood out for you. I'm buying up big on Burkhan Kadar mm-hmm. and Louis Laurie Latanzio. Triple L. I'm buying and big on Laurie as well. I am uh, selling my stock in uh, Lee Broxham. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. I would probably say it's a hold for, for most others, um, you know, just off the top of my head, straight off the cuff here. Okay. We've just rattled through all those names. We could we could expand on those as well. Um, uh, Lewis Loriotanzio, I'm buying. I'm buying big on. Uh, liked his performance. Liked his his confidence. I think that uh, I tweeted about this during the game. Yeah, uh, was thrown on on Saturday in the starting position, um, and 
something I, I bemoan a lot about the youngsters is the, the, the youngsters that always have two thoughts in their mind about what they should do when they get the ball. And in the end, you kind of get something in the middle, um, whether, you know, something like a, an attacking player, it's like, oh, should I pass or should I shoot? And then you get something in the middle, which is just... Um, yeah, not, not great. And I think that when you see a young player that comes on with confidence, uh, he was uh, not afraid to take the game on, not afraid to shoot from distance. Uh, I think that that's, that's pleasing to see. Whether he gets uh, too many more minutes once uh, just dead and, uh, and Falami are fully fit, uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, very pleasing to see. And Birkin Kadar has come on and, and made an impact. So I think that uh, I'm buying stock in, in Birkin Kadar as well. Uh, Josh, have you got any others that uh, that that uh, spring out at you? Just on Triple L, I think the one thing that frustrates me about his game at the moment is nothing he does on the ball, but off the ball, his instinct is always to run in behind, run in behind, run in behind, and that makes the build-up play just a little bit predictable. And that's, I think, the big difference between him at the point of the attack versus Robbie Cruz at the point of the attack, who makes some more subtle and more intelligent runs, as you would expect from a player of his experience pedigree. Yeah. So I think that's just something that. Triple L needs to develop over time and um, maybe offering to his feet a little bit more will make him a little bit less predictable. I think the reason he doesn't do it is because he's maybe not confident enough physically to hold off defenders who are barreling in behind him, especially if that defender is Aaron Calver. So, uh, you know, that's, that's probably the, a simple explanation. But, yeah, that's, that's one thing that does slightly annoy me about him. But other than that, I'm very impressed with him and his moxie in squaring up to... 400-game veteran Andrew Durante was great to see as well. So good. In terms of who I'm buying and selling, um, if this stock had any value left, I would be selling it as soon as possible. Matt Acton, not getting anywhere Mm. near the first team anymore. We thought the goalkeepers would neck and neck coming into the season. And, you know, Matt Acton, he looks a bit like Lawrence Thomas. Maybe he could play a bit like Lawrence Thomas. But that era in the Asian Champions League has really, really cost him. And Max Crocombe, has just come into form at the exact right moment. And some of his distribution from long range was really, really impressive against Western United. I don't think Matt Acton is getting anywhere near that starting jersey, so I'd be selling his stock if you were silly enough to hold on to it until this point. Yeah, Crocombe did cough it up, though, uh, one time, uh, trying to give it out from the back and almost cost us. But um, Yeah, but I like the willingness to play those risky passes because this team has got a lot of quick players in the final third, so you're going to want to get into transition pretty quickly. Um, The other player I'm buying stock in, it's maybe not hit the heights of uh, several seasons ago, and I think it's been on a bit of a slow decline since he returned to the club. Very gradual decline, but now I'm starting to see the old Adama Traore that we all know and love. He was man of the match for me against Western United, really starting to get forward with the kind of abandon and energy that we're used to, putting in lots and lots of crosses and deliveries into the box, which many of which weren't met by attacking players and should have been. So Adama Traore, buy stock in him now because that thing's going to skyrocket in the next few weeks. Yeah, very well Another said. one whose uh, stock may skyrocket uh, if, if he scores one of the, the worldies that he's promising to score is Jacob Butterfield. Uh, he has got a lethal cannon on that left leg, and I think that... Uh, if I if I buy if I buy at a you know low price now, he scores one of those worldies in the next week or two. That uh, that stock might uh, skyrocket. I've liked what I've seen from him. He's kind of took a couple of games to to get into it, but I think that uh, yeah, he's he's been promising so far in the last couple of games. So I'm I, I'm going to buy some Jacob Butterfield stock there. Uh, loves knocking out his mates. If uh, if you have a little nibble on his uh, on his fiance's toe, so just uh, be wary of that. Um, but uh, yeah, Jacob Butterfield is one that uh, that I'll be looking on with interests. Uh, with Dylan Ryan, are, are we selling or are we holding? This is a, a guy that came to us. He's on loan from uh, William Tway uh, in uh, the Netherlands, I think it is the the, uh, the Dutch football team. Uh, has played at under twenty three level for Australia. We kind of thought we were getting a, a sneaky. Good one here. He's, he's 20 years old, so still very raw, a very raw product and um, has been put out there um, for a few games now, but has been kind of torn up at certain parts. He's had a, f- a few good moments, but has been torn up in a few games as well. Um, is it just a matter of circumstances? It's a young kid thrown into the mixer and I shouldn't be too harsh, Dave? I think he's had you know, different partners uh, so far this season um, and I think he will start to flourish a little bit more 
if I believe he should at this point still be first choice alongside Shotton, and I think it's worth persisting with Dylan Ryan. And yeah, I think as they spend more time on the pitch together, you can already tell the kind of player Shotton is in terms of the guidance he's constantly giving those around him on the park. So it's a hold for me. Um, but, you know, I, think, well, I don't know that the expectations were, you know, super high when Dylan and Ryan arrived. And I still think there's, you know, a fight on uh, between himself, Anderson and Ansel um, as the season progresses for that second spot. It's so hard for a young player to nail down a starting centre-back spot for a club as big as Melbourne Victory. You know, it, yeah. it just really is. And I know, you know, we haven't had the experience in those positions. Aaron Anderson looked like he might fill that role as one of Brebner's favourites. But I think Dylan Ryan has the maybe the higher ceiling and the lower floor than Aaron Anderson. Anderson a bit more reliable, a bit more rugged, but he does not have anywhere near the distribution, passing range or first touch that Dylan Ryan has. So if you want to genuinely, if you want to play a possession style of football, and that's what Brebner says he wants to play, uh, then you should have Dylan Ryan back there. And having two centre-backs in Ryan and Shotton who are prepared to take risks with the ball and play it out from the back uh, is going to see the team fare better in the long run, I would say. So I would hold on Dylan Ryan, but I, I wouldn't be selling because I think just give him a few weeks to find his feet with a, as you say, Dave, set partner. Yeah, spot on, Josh. And I think um, you know that, that sort of ball playing from out of the back uh, and you use the perfect word there, risk, you know, with with those types of risks being taken, there will be mistakes uh, here and there um, because that's the, the kind of enterprising brand of football you want to play instead of the safe stuff all the time. So totally agree. A lot of people are buying Ryan Shotton stock, the uh, the famed COVID denier, of course, uh, Ryan Shotton, um, also our centre-back. Uh, people are buying... Ryan Schottenstock, he, he, uh, I, didn't, I didn't see his first game because uh, of other shit that had going on with the, with the Twins. So I only saw, only kind of read stuff on Twitter and people weren't particularly happy with his uh, his first game. A lot of people saying slow. I think he got um, he got done over by uh, Mo Toure, is that right? He won't be the last bloke. Like he, that happens too. It was just people watching the highlight and making a judgment yeah, based okay. on that, I think. The rest of his game, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Dave, but I didn't think Ryan Shotton was that bad against Adelaide, aside from no. the one moment where he got absolutely cooked by Mo Toure, who will cook plenty of centre-backs this season. Right. He is rapid. Um, most yeah. um, of the viewers uh, who listen to this podcast agreed with you because he was in the votes. So, um, mm. yeah, and I think by and large, his performance was good, but and you know, it was that moment, and a couple of moments where a 16-year-old ran past him. And if you're 32, as Ryan Shotton is, or is it 32? Yeah, something around early 30s anyway. Um, and if there's you've consumed uh, as year many year pints of bitter as Ryan Shotton yes. no doubt has in his time. <laughs> and that hair as well, it's got to be, uh, as I mentioned last <laughs> yeah, week, a, a an burden. impediment of some kind. Yeah, uh, Mo Toure, the, la- the, the, the first 16-year-old to tear apart an organisation um, since the St. Kilda schoolgirl, of course. Um, it's the last time someone of that Spicy. age tore apart a sporting organisation. She tore apart the St. Kilda Football Club and Mo Toure has done the, the same to Melbourne Victory <laughs> that night. Um, Please don't yeah. bring up the Eddie Maguire press conference. I really oh, that was awful, that. wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's that's all my that's all my stocks. Uh, we'll, we might revisit that during the uh, the year of uh, if GameSpot stocks are still soaring in about three or four weeks' time. Maybe we'll do that again. Uh, let's discuss the game against Western United as a nil or draw, which was I would say surprising because uh, Victory's defence has been at times a little bit fragile, and of course Western United had at that five four game um, a few days prior so I was expecting goals in this one didn't eventuate um, but as you said Dave you were you were there you're a little bit sourced of, of of course but it was very much an entertaining nil all draw uh, they had their chances they had better chances than we did but we also did have our own chances a few of the youngsters fired up uh, for us in, in Lawton and Laura Latanzio had their had some small moments nothing um, too to uh, prolong, but some small moments and some flashpoints that uh, a few centimetres either way could have been uh, a different story. But 
for us, probably lucky that we did escape with a, a draw or a point, um, but probably the fair result overall, um, given the game. Dave, what can you remember from Saturday? You're at, you're at the ground. I've, um, of course, rewatched the up. game, mate. So, you know, it's uh, it's not oh, like I just... Yeah, of course. I do every week. Uh, when I go to the game, I watch it again. Otherwise, I'll look a bit silly coming onto this podcast. But look... Um, um, I think, you know, it's fair to say when you assess the entire game in, in its entirety, we were lucky to come away with a point. Um, but the fact that we did, you know, and not having Gested, Cruz, McManaman, Rojas for the last half an hour as well, uh, great result. Uh, from a crowd perspective, uh, you know, some of my observations early on, I was kind of laughing at the state of things um, being in our home ground uh, for a Western United game. It felt like an intra-club game uh, at times there from a support perspective Um, and it probably helps explain some of Western United's weirdness in in the lead up to this one they're kind of trying to puff their chest out uh, during the course of the week which yeah I can appreciate they're trying to drum up some interest but yeah it, it, it really fell flat and I love the fact that they wasted those fireworks that was awesome um look Triple L came in because that morning we got the news about Robbie Cruz missing and I think you know on reflection it's probably the right choice to leave Robbie out and and make sure we get a full you know close to a full season out of him so it was triple L up top uh, Brandon Lawton again um, on the right side uh, and Rojas you know uh, shifted out to the left and I thought you know um, as Josh sort of mentioned you know that's that's really pacey uh, and it was a lively first few minutes um, pretty end to end both sides you know, it wasn't uh, nervy so much but you know the chances that um, we allowed Western United have pretty much came as a result of our mistakes more than anything um, and I think you know there was that triple L chance in the eighth minute um, and I think, uh, you know, when Lawton hit the bar as well, you know, at that point, I think Curto was forced into two safe. So I think we had, had the better of that early period, but the game kind of evened out a fair bit as it, as it progressed. And I think you would have expected that with the experience differences between the two sides. But uh, passing over back to you guys or back to Josh, if he wants to add it to that. Yeah, I thought Victory had the better of the first half, but Western United pretty much dominated the second, and Victory lucky to come away with a point. Um, certainly the kind of Karen Bullet-esque celebration was pretty funny. <laughs> I did feel a bit sorry for him, considering you know he maybe was a bit distracted, as you say, by those enormous fireworks going off behind the goal. But in regards to like the pre-game pumping up and the social media content and stuff, I mean, as Western United, I mean, what do you do? You know, you've got to try yeah. and generate a bit of excitement somehow. And the one uh, bit of social content that I thought really did work and really popped off was when they got Max Rushton to declare his decades-long support for the club <laughs> on Twitter. It was very self-aware. It was very, like, winking. And that yeah, that's the yeah. kind of stuff that, you know, will actually appeal to, to football fans rather than coming off as a bit, you know, manufactured and a bit, you know, dare I say, AFL. <laughs> There's still, uh, I, I did note that, um, I think, you, I'm not sure if you discussed this in the last podcast, Dave, but Melbourne Victory is still persisting with horses after wins at home games. Is that right? Yeah, well, it did happen uh, in the game against Perth, uh, despite mm-hmm. all of our efforts to cancel Daryl. Um, really And uh, yeah, clearly we haven't really pushed that hard enough. So I think, you know, we, obviously we were saved um, from that. Uh, well, it wasn't our home game anyway. But, um, well, it's up, to, it's up to all of us. Everyone, everyone who yes. listens to FBS should be using that hashtag, cancel Daryl. Cancel Daryl, um, yeah. And, you know, you know tweet, tweet some hatred at Daryl Braithwaite. Maybe, maybe <laughs> throw him an exploitative-laced tweet um, saying, you know, he's a sellout, a piece of shit. And maybe maybe we'll get some traction, um, yeah. But, um, but I want to discuss though the um, the VAR decisions. It worked in our favour. Yes. Uh, sometimes sometimes you, you you get the luck of the draw. We won a title, of course, uh, because of the VAR. But um, a point that I did have going back to the first game I watched, I think we had something similar where there was a VAR decision, uh, and it's it's come to the forefront this week. But <laughs> 
it, it makes it all the more farcical when Fox Sports, in a way to cut costs, have you know cut a lot of their cameras from around the grounds, a lot of their angles. Um, so I think they're operating with like I'm, I'm I'm not sure, but a heavily reduced camera setup around the ground, and that's having impact on getting these decisions right. So the the guesswork, um, you know is increasing for the video assistant referee. Um, so it just makes it all the more farcical that we are persisting with VAR um, in this kind of element where we're, where the broadcaster is trying to slash costs. Well, yeah. Mark Rudan certainly made that a focus in his post-match press conference. He's so calculated with what he says. You know, he was trying to couch that as him being emotional and flying off the handle, and he was a bit emotional, but everything Mark Rodan says is 100% calculated, and he knows exactly what to say to push the buttons of the media and, and drum up controversy. And, you know, he chose to do it on that occasion. Talking about the camera setups, I actually had a chat to one of the Fox Sports technicians who was lingering around packing up after the uh, press conference. A few of us went over and talked to him about the number of cameras they actually have. And this was categorized as a tier B game, which means that they have six cameras. It would have been seven cameras last season uh, for a tier B contest. But Mark Rodan was probably harking back to his days as a studio analyst when there was actual money being spent on the A-League and they would have had 10 or 12 cameras at a derby game like that. I mean, let's not get into the is it a derby or not debate. But, there was you know, no for VAR a, back for then. For what Fox Sports would consider a derby game, uh, they would have had 10 or 12 cameras there. The main problem, though, it's between this season and last, the only camera that's missing is a camera behind one of the goals, so that has zero impact on you know, mm-hmm. offside decisions. The main issue is that the cameras that are actually mainly tracking the offside are unmanned now. Uh, I'm not sure if they were manned in the past, but they certainly don't have anyone operating them. They're automatic and they sync to the Hawkeye or whatever, but because they're unmanned, they can't be that precise and they need to zoom out like to cover the entire half of the field almost at all times so that they can track the play and be relied upon to make those Hawkeye decisions. And that's why we got the farcical image on the Fox broadcast of this like 240 pixel potato YouTube video <laughs> from 2007 <laughs> to try and determine whether Dylan Price had a toenail offside or not. And that's just, you know, whether or not it makes a difference to the actual technical process of drawing the line and so forth, I am not sure. I don't operate in the VAR bunker at all. But fr- from an optics perspective, it's absolutely shocking for the league to have that as a as a look on the broadcast we should never be seeing that kind of low res video during a game now there was uh actually a camera behind the goal josh a very very good cameras and they're called my eyes and um <laughs> just as the barisha disallowed goal happened i was walking down because i needed to take a piss and i was quite close or a lot closer than i usually am And I had my hand raised for offside as the goal was scored. And, uh, you know, as as I was uh, then in the toilet, I could hear that the goal was reversed. So you don't need uh, fancy cameras, mate. But, uh, look, jokes aside, um, even though it went in our favour that time around and other times around, um, for the game as a whole, I would rather that that goal had stood um, because... Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've got nobody likes the VAR. You've got a broadcaster that is underfunding the league at the moment. I would really love for the outcome of all this to be now that the clubs supposedly have um, influence and power in how the league is run that they just look at this scenario and just scrap it, put the money into something else. Maybe we can get a little bit better commentary instead, potentially. Well, I actually didn't mind the uh, the commentary. Uh, well, part of it was okay. It. Well, you watched it afterwards, Dave, of course, so you, you do know what I'm talking about. But uh, Michael Saponi has taken the reins as, uh, as Zappers a Zappers is fine, mate. Zappers but- is great. Zappers is great because Zappers comes from that radio background where I think he used to call games on SEN in the very early days. So it's uh, I, I think people may think this is maybe a little bit of overkill, but he 
describes a lot more than the mm. the Simon Hills of the world, which uh, yeah. sometimes less is more to Simon Hill. who let the play kind of string out and, and things like that. But I, I I felt like I was on crack watching Michael Saponi um, commentate for the first fifteen <laughs> minutes or so. It was end to end stuff, and he was going nuts, and uh, I was I was really getting into it. Um, I've been very much uh, on very little sleep, and I felt like I was wired to the. To the yeah, to the to the eyeballs. Uh, listening to Michael's opinion, I was very very happy with uh, with his commentary. I know Adam Peacock has taken it on as well, but um, yeah. And, we, and you say a part of it was good. Archie Thompson, we uh, we give him a little bit of shit. He has actually had to also um, endure a little bit of Twitter hate this afternoon, which is uh, he's replying back to the haters um, that didn't like his commentary performance over the weekend. He's gotten a lot better. Credit where credit is due. I think he's gotten a lot better. Uh, less we, we love Archie, Jace. We articulate. love Archie, you know, like, but he shouldn't be co-commentator. He should be on the sidelines. Uh, like, what was Neil Ken- Kilkenny? I don't know what Neil the- Kenny was doing Jesus there. Christ. That man shouldn't be allowed to... The most to annoying thing title. about Neil Kilkenny is his stupid little posh private school fake mm. English boy voice. And to put that <laughs> disembodied on the broadcast seems like an intentional two fingers up at fans. Yep. Oh, I just couldn't stand it. No. Um, so, Dave, we're four games in, two losses, a win and a draw. I'd say this is probably about where we expected to be um, so far at this point of the season, kind of the middle of the of the road, middle of the pack. Um, but I think that we've been uh, pretty good value, I, I, I think, uh, I think over the course of the season so far. I think that we've been pretty good value, as I said, compared even in most of the, the matches and haven't been overawed. It's just kind of like finishing's kind of lacking a little bit uh a little a few lapses in concentration at the back kind of leading to to silly goals and stuff like that but overall i think we've been pretty good value and uh despite the fact that we only have only have four points from our first four games i'm not too disenfranchised just yet yeah there are elements of a of a style coming together and i sort of mentioned this in the last podcast that you know it's just the missing elements of it you know a player comes in that you know is supposed to be a permanent fixture of the starting 11 and then another one comes out um you know and there's been quite a bit of that and it's four weeks so look uh that there, there really has to be some careful management around you know the the players who will be returning from injury in the coming weeks but um i want to call out the um the refereeing in this game uh you know putting aside var for a minute but there are a couple of challenges that i felt were Orange, if not red, cards. Um, mm-hmm. In particular, Tomislav Uskok's challenge um, on Lee Broxham, I think it was, sent him hurling through the air, uh, missed the ball completely. And look, probably the, the other one um, that happened in the first half, uh, Ivan Vujica, his challenge on Storm Roo as well, like... Mm-hmm. Again, orange studs were up, and I think he only really got away with it probably because Stormroo was also lunging in a little bit. Obviously, didn't make contact, but I just feel like the Uskok one in particular was a potential leg breaker, and yeah, I, I don't know why that wasn't a red card instead of a yellow. The commentators were a bit um, split on that as well. How did you see it, Josh? Look, I think any number of Western United players were lucky to stay on the pitch. They accumulated five yellow cards, almost all of them in the first half, and just repeated fouling on breakaways. And, you know, it's something that a lot of possession-focused teams do because they're always vulnerable when they do turn it over. You know, you watch a Pep Guardiola team play and they're always making cynical challenges in the middle of the pitch to stop counterattacks. But when it turns into the kind of physicality, borderline bullying play uh, that Thomas Lavuskok demonstrated. I think it has to be punished. Yellow card, red card, I don't know, but I still think more action could have been taken over the course of the 90 minutes, irrespective of those two specific incidents to to really uh, disincentivize it because it seemed to be just going around giving everyone a yellow ticket and then once they were on the yellow card, they could do whatever they wanted because no one was getting sent off on a second one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dave, do we have uh, votes for this game? The uh, the Balls of Steel Player of the Year votes as uh, voted uh, by our listeners. Yes, it was sent through to us by the man of the people. Let me just dig that out. Apologies. Uh, one mm-hmm. moment. It was... 
Okay, well, we'll take a break right now. We'll come back and uh, we'll see if uh, we've figured that out. few tidbits before we get into the game preview against Brisbane Raw. It uh, wasn't on the rundown, but Reese Williams in the last... Uh, I'm not too sure if you covered this on the last podcast, Dave. Reese Williams said that he's spoken to Grant Brebner. I think he said he spoke to someone else. Um, another Richard coach Garcia. The in the A-League. I can't remember which one it was. Richard Hometown. Garcia from so Perth as well. So it looks like he, he's coming home. Um, we'll come back to Australia, whether that's back to Melbourne, which uh, I think he loved. Obviously, he, he has very fond memories of Melbourne. I think that, um, yeah, he's definitely, uh, yeah, loves Melbourne, but also uh, his hometown of Perth. So it looks like it's down to one or two. Uh, I don't know what, what the salary cap situation for us is. I'm assuming we must have money for him, um, but would be a great addition if we could get... Well, Perth uh, just brought in, uh, in a German defender, Langkamp, who, um, you know, alongside another uh, visa player in defence as well, the, the Curacao flyer. i um, forgotten his name now, but... Um, uh, Luckman. Uh, that's the one, yeah. And so that's two yeah, fairly experienced centre-halves, whilst, you know, on our books we've got... Nick Ansel, yeah, <laughs> and you know the two two younger fellas in uh, Ryan and Anderson. Uh, it would be lovely to see Reese alongside Ryan Shotton, um, both you know kind of similar in in a way in the way they uh, play there at the back. I would love to see that, and yeah, I, as for cap space, I, I feel like we have the room, but I don't think like we've spent big. Obviously, I'm just speculating, but yeah, I feel like we have the room. Yeah, I, I would love to see Reese back. I mean, seriously, like the guy was an absolute class act when he was here, and you know he, I think, might be more likely to end up in Perth if they decide to play a back three again. But then again, yeah. uh, Richard Garcia has been playing basically four four two or four two four. It looks like and all guns blazing attacking football. So maybe they're not in need of another centre half. As you said, they got Aspro Luckman and Langkamp to come in. So I guess he could play a holding midfield role, but better as a ball-playing centre-half and, yeah. and victory in greater need. I'm not sure where he'll wash up, but I'd welcome him back with open arms, certainly. Uh, Dave, do you want to talk about Amy Park and the over-policing that you saw on Saturday? I think there's been uh, a few people on social media as well arc up about this. Uh, what was going on on Saturday? Yeah, so for context, um, you know, I flipped my lid uh, when the active ends were uh, removed um, after the Brisbane game. So, you know, decisions were made, government were involved, and, you know, if you haven't heard, uh, listen back for that one because there was, you know, a good government source that, that came through on that one explaining the logic behind it. And I guess the, the most frustrating thing is that, it, you know, it seems to be that um, that the over officiousness or you know the the kind of you know patrolling that we saw you know up and down the aisles and you know in every aisle you know it was it was just way over the top and then you know i think it, one of our um followers uh suva um might be a greek bloke um with that name but um he um put up some shots of a nightclub and you know like you know, just throngs of people all yeah. bunched up and everything like that and it just seems like it's 
football kind of getting the rough end of the stick here again. Uh, and I'm not saying that, you know, we can't um, abide by or be wary of the various health measures that have to be in place and, and all of that. I just think it's been heavy handed. Um, as I said, up and down the aisles and just, you know, just so many different officials, be it security, be it police, be it club marshals, and kind of you know, just sort of snarky as well, you know, and people were generally doing the right thing. It just seemed unnecessary. And, you know, harking back to what I said last week, I just wonder, you know, if this sort of treatment will be extended to the other sports when they start to kick off in earnest in you know, a month or two. So, yeah, it's really frustrating because the experience um, of being an active supporter um, is all about standing up. Um, mind you, you know how you always get the, the sore knees and shins um, from uh, the seats no, when not, you're at a game. Old as shit. Yeah, um, I always seem to (laughs) lean forward and, you know, like all that, even though we weren't allowed to stand up yesterday and today, my knees and shins are fucked like, uh, and it's, yeah, it's just from the the seats in front. Um, So, you know, we obviously, as soon as anything exciting happened or, you know, abuse was to be yelled at someone from uh, Western United or whatever it was, or the referee, you know, everyone was standing up, um, gesticulating and yelling and whatnot anyway and then quickly sat down but um it's just frustrating um to not be able to enjoy the football like we usually do yeah get those shin splints looked at because they can uh cause further issues not just uh, not just at the split, uh, the shins they can uh yeah grow into to pain in your feet and you don't want that day if you want to be able i've to got that around. already mate i'm i'm breaking down Everywhere. At Me the too. I had my appendix time. out last week. Yeah. Yeah. That hurts. Well, I had an operation too. We're all getting old, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dave, I think you've just got to stop using so many uh, match day painkillers and then you'll know if you're doing yourself damage. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be me at the football if I didn't. That's just... Uh, Although it's now it's now getting to the point where I think uh, my, my boy, you know, he's five, he started school, you know, few days ago and i think you know he's going to be uh requesting to attend at some point so i'll have to be more responsible at the football god yeah uh let's talk about this uh this game coming up on saturday night or saturday afternoon rather it's a 505 p.m game against brisbane raw uh, brisbane have won three on the bounce um so are in good form uh that's dating back to their first game against us at the start of January, um, their last game was against Adelaide where they won 3-1. So it seems like they're in pretty good form. I haven't watched a single minute of Brisbane Raw football. Um, Dave, uh, are they looking like a tough opponent for us this week? Uh, in general, are they looking like they could threaten this season in the A-League? I think you have to say yes. At this point, top of the table. Uh, Warren Moon has done an outstanding job uh, so far this season. Um, you know, I hate to get all you know too futuristic and you know start to think about what's going to happen because you know Central Coast were top of the table last week and now they're not. So you know these things are quite fluid and it's quite an even league. So, but based on the current evidence and and the side that he's putting out, there's a good blend of youth and experience. Um, and we saw Dinzel. Uh, Dylan Wenzel Halls. I think uh, mm-hmm. Bozza called him Denzel Halls, which was uh, quite funny during the uh, broadcast. But um, yeah, he he absolutely made mincemeat out of our defence at Amy Park on January second, and he's continuing to do so. I think he's got four goals, and it might be three assists so far in um, what is it, five games, Josh, or something like that. Anyway, something he's like that. killing it. Yeah. He's, he yeah. is absolutely killing it. Brisbane have only played four, would you believe? Yeah. Mm. So it's it's a uh, he's an incredible young player, and I'm I love the fact that uh, you know we're seeing a lot of this. You know, there's there's two or three almost from every club so far this season. You know, players of you know, a, you know under twenty kind of that you can write a few articles about so far. So yeah, and I think um, yeah, there's there's some steady sort of steadying players that they have as well so 
Yeah, it's it's a real interesting one because when we did the podcast after round one, we thought after losing 3-1, it was a great opportunity for us to have that test immediately after. But then, of course, the game got postponed. So a lot of water's gone under the bridge since that first game where you know, they ran away with it in that second half. I really don't know what to make of it. Obviously, Robbie Cruz will be back because you know he's obviously been rested for the express purpose of him being ready for this one and to ensure his load isn't too heavy. Uh, and then he gets injured again. Um, McManaman and Gested, I would say they're both slim 50, chances 50. of playing. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, depending on the side that we can put on the park, um, you know, I think we're, we're, we stand a, a decent chance. But, uh, yeah, we're going to have to um, be extremely wary of that pace that Champness, who I think missed last week, but um, is likely to be back this week, and Dylan Wenzel Hall's offer up. Uh, so, yeah, um, do you want a prediction out of me or are you just uh, happy for me to just leave it there? Uh, yeah, predictions are, are irrelevant really, aren't they? But you got, you got last week's Good. prediction right, didn't you? You said nil all. I did, yeah. So well done, well done. Uh, yeah, blue moon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Josh, anything that you, uh, you, you want to see from the victory this week? Well, I thought the main concern I had from the last game, and you know, obviously you've got to temper it with all the players that are unavailable, but one guy who is a first-team fixture and I just think continues to be below par is Storm Rue in a defensive <laughs> sense. He's okay going forward, but he just gets cooked time and time again, and Connor Payne was having all sorts of fun with him against Western United, and it was lucky that it didn't eventuate into a goal. I just think he's just such an obvious weak point that opponents will plan for. And whoever plays on that left flank against Brisbane, uh, up against him at right back, whether it's Wenzel Halls playing out wide, whether it's Dan Zaki, Champness, they've got all sorts of guys who can hurt you. And remember in match day one, it was Corey Brown who cooked him for the goal. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's just not yes. a reliable defensive presence. And I wonder whether as the season goes on, Brebner's going to have to think about a different solution there. And I've got an idea I would like to float to him in terms of just shoring up that right-back position and also bringing Burkan Kurdar into the midfield in one fell swoop. And that is Lee Broxham to right-back, Jacob Butterfield to anchor the midfield, Jake Brimmer moved back to a more of a, a box-to-box number eight yep. role, and Burkan Kurdar straight into the number 10 position. I think that would love it. give us a lot more options going forward and you know, give us a lot more creativity in midfield while potentially just giving us a reliable, sturdy right-back who's not going to fly up the wing and deliver the crosses that you might like, but Lee Broxham will do his due diligence and do his job, which is something that Storm Roo is just not bringing to the table at the moment. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out on, on Saturday. Yeah, I think that there's uh, some tweaking that needs to be made, so it'll be uh, interesting to see what, uh, what Brebs does. Uh, boys, we'll finish up, but just before we do, uh, the babies are going to start crying. I can feel it at any moment. Um, so we've been we've been doing well here to get uh, a whole podcast in without any uh, twins crying. But just very briefly, I'll ask you, Josh, first, because you're a man that's in the know. You, you've got, as you said before, you've got people at Fox Sports um, in your pocket. Um, what's your What's your Tuberman theory? Who Who was that guy? <laughs> Tuberman. I He's mean, sort of- do you want a serious answer or a joke answer? <laughs> I want a serious answer because a lot of people just don't know what it is. I'm 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 assuming a producer of some sort, right? So some sort what, of digital okay, serious answer. What happens with the W League is Fox consider it beneath them, even though they've been paid forty million dollars by the federal government to broadcast women's Ridiculous. sport. So they wow. contract it out. They don't do it themselves. They contract it out to a company called Bar TV Sports that people may have heard of. And they're usually used by like some MPLs, uh, community sports, sort of events and things that they stream. Uh, it's more of a, a lower-tier operation. It's usually a single camera, and they have been, been making an absolute meal of working remotely, and they've mm-hmm. had all sorts of technical problems, including Tuberman. So I think Tuberman is a bar TV sports employee who was a producer sitting at his desk working remotely, and he accidentally cut to his laptop webcam instead of the broadcast camera. Dave, you give the funny answer. Who was it? 
Uh, he is actually a member of the uh, Melbourne Symphony Orchestra, and he just happened to be uh, in a chat room occupied at the time by um, members of the FA, and uh, yeah, uh, someone stood on a wire, um, pressed the wrong button, and we were graced with his mug. Uh, that's, that's my answer. I'm just sad he didn't get the tuber out and make a little (laughs) sound effect to go with it. He's very lucky that uh, he wasn't doing anything else as well. um, Yeah. uh, Hey, Jace, before we go, Uh, speaking of crying babies, can I Mm -hmm. just give a quick comparison? I was in the press box for both games, the victory game and the city game last night. And, dear, I mean... Talk about respect for your legends and star players. Bessar oh, Barusha getting his yes. name sung by the North End, getting South End. a standing ovation as he left the field as a substitute versus Bruno Fornaroli, who was systematically and repeatedly booed by his former supporters and then had a bottle thrown at him during a goal celebration. I mean, mm. God, he's the only icon, the only legend of that club. Surely you could treat him with a little respect. I'm, I'm, I had that in my notes and I'm really spewing now that we, we didn't bring that up, but we didn't really cover the other A-League games, so it didn't come up. But yeah, what an absolute disgrace. Like You, you mentioned the fact that he's the only legend. I mean, you could probably throw Aaron, Aaron Moy in there. Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, it, you know, the, the iconic, uh, iconoclast, is that the word? Yeah, um, yeah the, the type of player he was, you know, that... What he, you know, his speech when they won their only piece of silverware, and you know, just what he meant to them, um, you know, fledgling kind of identity as Melbourne City. I, I'm, I'm staggered by it. I, I just don't understand how you can do that. And I'm proud of our supporters. Um, and I joined in those Bessar Barisha chants because the guy's a club legend, and that's how you treat club legends. Not to mention, he never wanted to leave Bruno yeah. Fornaroli. Yeah. He was forced out. He was sitting in the stands drinking mate for months and months yeah. instead of playing because he had a coach who hated his guts. He never wanted to leave Melbourne City, and now they're throwing bottles at him. Just, I mean, look, I don't want to get on my high horse about bottles being thrown with regard yeah. to victory yeah. fans, but yeah. seriously, it got to treat your club legends with a bit of respect. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. I, I heard that we maybe um, ironically changed his name after that disallowed goal, but we'll uh, maybe gloss over that part. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he did get he did get the uh, the respect that he was uh, he was due uh, when he was going off. That's for sure. Um, boys, we'll finish up there. What a uh, what what just a, a pleasure to have you on, Josh Parrish. Uh, you're a man that's in the know. That's why they pay you the big bucks at FNR Radio, and, as, and also FBS. at FBS. That's why we pay you the big bucks now. Um, great to have you on, and great to have your insights. Um, yeah, we won't. Uh, uh, leave it so long before we have you on again thanks for uh thanks for jumping on um dave right. thank you as well absolute pleasure as always absolute pleasure there you go thank you very much uh we'll catch you again next week but until then it is goodbye and mon the vac mon mon, mon.